Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, Chief of Staff turned Executive Leadership Coach. In this series, we dive into the role of Chief of Staff, exploring how it can be a game changer and pivotal player on your leadership team. You'll get a backstage pass and learn about the different aspects of the role and what it takes to excel in it. We'll hear from some incredible guests who have firsthand experience serving as chief of staff or collaborating with one on their team. And don't forget, the chief of staff isn't just a title of person, it represents a leadership philosophy. Leveraging leadership is all about finding your points of greatest influence and leveraging them to better serve those around you. Sarah, it is so good to see you again. How are you? Hi, very well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I I saw this on my calendar and I was like, this is going to be a good day. (laughs) So kind. I feel feel, uh, so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. It was such a a wonderful surprise to see you in my inbox. And I thought, oh, this is going to be fun. And um, (laughs) let's do this. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So let's do this. Let's jump right in. So you were have has a background of being an EA, so an executive uh-huh. assistant, and you were an EA at a number of companies, and so uh-huh. you were really good at that role. And then you transitioned into chief of staff, but you, being a go getter and being super proactive, actually made a case or made a pitch for this role in your company. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely, I can. Um, so, you know, this has been something I wanted to be in a chief of staff role for quite some time. It hasn't worked out until this point. Um, and so, you know, I, I, when now we've talked about this, I, I feel like I've been doing this role for a long time. I just didn't have the title or authority. So what happened is, uh, the gentleman that I was working with, the executive that I was working with, he left the company. And so since I was supporting him and I had just come off of planning our SKO, And it was a big event. I thought, oh, goodness, I don't have a place here. If I'm not supporting this exec anymore and I'm not planning these events, there's really no reason for me to be here anymore. Um, And so that small window, I thought, I have an opportunity here. Um, I can put myself in a position where I do a sales pitch and say, here's what I'm able to offer. Here's what I can do that I haven't been able to do yet. Let me try it. And the worst thing they can say is no. So try. That's where <laughs> I left it. <laughs> and I did exactly I did exactly that. So, you know, I'm scrambling in the background thinking, okay, there's no other place for me to be at this company. Uh, I wanted to move into chief of staff role and the previous executive wanted me to as well. And there's something about like when you speak something into the universe, you better be ready. Because I literally had said like a couple of days before you left the company, I want to move into a chief of staff role. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so you got to revise the occasion. So I put together a presentation. I put together a JD and I just scoured the internet from LinkedIn JDs to watching videos, podcasts, and just put together a JD that I felt made sense for my skill set and what I could do for the company at this particular inflection point. And I presented it. And I'm either really good <laughs> at pitching um, and very convincing, um, and maybe I sprinkled some magic, but it worked, and I was I was promoted very quickly after that. Wow, wow, yeah. And I'm hearing, you know, you are resourceful, you are a go getter, and you also 
put, you know, positive, positive vibes out in the universe. And those do yes, work, by the way. They do. So they do. They, they do. come back around and, uh, and get you. So if I may, I, one, one other thing is yes. you have to have the skill set and the actual experience to back it up. So if you want to try to do this and you haven't proven to the executive staff that you're capable of it, I literally just came off of planning an you know, entire SKO and a presence club. So they had that front of mind. I was doing everything from budgeting to negotiation to room, you know, rates, all the, all of these things. So that helped my case. So why I mentioned that is just that, you know, you have to have something to tie it back to. Right, right. Yeah. And I know it was a long time ago, but do you remember what types of uh, information you presented or what what were some of the components of the case you made? Yes. Um, I think uh, the the things that are coming to my mind are really, uh, I knew at that point that they needed somebody to be a cross-functional connector. Um, we didn't have that. We didn't have systemized things or templatized things like meeting agendas, note-taking. And so I leaned in heavy on that. And that's partially because I saw a need and then what I was reading and watching um, that I found, you know, as resources tied back to that. So I guess uh, what I'm trying to say is when you're going to make your case, make sure that there's some data to back it up. And I think it just was perfectly aligned with where the company was at, uh, that we needed it. And I was able to speak it into existence. Hopefully that answers your question. Yes, it does for sure. And so there's overlap between EA responsibilities and chief of staff in some areas. Chief of staff is a much broader role and and more strategic, I would say. Um, And by the way, I I always say, I've seen veteran leadership fall Mm -hmm. apart without an EA. So they are a critical part of the company. I've seen like grown men just like go to pieces without their their (laughs) EA. Um, so, so they're a critical part of the team. And then the chief of staff often works in conjunction with an EA. So can you, can you talk a little bit about the dynamic and some kind of maybe mind shifts or a, different approaches you had to take when making that shift? Yes, I have worked with chief of staffs before as an EA. And I am, I saw the good, the bad and, and the ugly in that dynamic because there's, you know, there, you have to take all those learnings. And I also... Saul, um, at a previous company that I was at, uh, EAs moved into chief of staff roles where they were still kind of straddling the EA tasks and how beneficial that worked. Um, so I've just seen different iterations. So I tried to um, take what I learned and bring it to the new job, but keep in mind that the new job is different. Um, and so the leap was hard. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it from going from strategic EA to chief of staff because a good EA, even a strategic one, loves a task list. We love going down that task list and checking it off. Um, and we love going to one-on-ones. You know, I know we talked about this with our huge laundry list of things for an exec and going through each one. And that is not how you should approach the chief of staff role. And so that took me some time. Um, but I think uh, for as like uh, a recovering self-critic or a perfectionist, I really allowed myself to be messy and make mistakes and ask questions and and seek feedback. So I didn't, uh, that period where I was struggling wasn't as long as I thought it would be because I just kind of accepted the situation. Like, okay, 
this is hard. <laughs> uh, I hope you answered your question. Can you refresh the question so I can make sure I... No, you, you did great. That was great. I think, okay. you know, first of all, I'm a recovering perfectionist as well. So you know, <laughs> good things can come from, from making that switch. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you kind of had to have talked previously about, you know, when I would go into meetings and say, here's my recommendation, or even make a question and update, like I'm informing you of this thing I'm going to do, unless you have any major objections. What was that change like? How was that received? Again, this is where I I, I feel like I had been the chief of staff for quite some time because I was already doing that. I would already have the confidence or I was bold enough to say to my exec, okay, I haven't heard back from you on this particular thing. I'm going to take action A, unless you disagree, I'll take action B or C and I'm moving forward. And so that um, approach was easy for me to trans over to the chief of staff role. I think what was difficult was balancing the calendar matrix and the task oriented things to start thinking fully strategic and um, connecting the dots throughout the org. So there was so much I didn't know about the company there's so much I needed to learn. There was relationships that I needed to build. And you mentioned that as well, of rebranding I needed to go through. And so um, it it was hard. It was challenging. But I think uh, I, I have figured out a, little, uh, a good spot for myself. And um, the best advice I could give is that you can't use the same tools that you use to excel in your EA career as a chief of staff. You have to do a shift in your per, uh, your paradigm and your mindset. Um, and we talked about this briefly before. Start looking for mentors or people you look up to that are outside of the EA role. Somebody who's a COO, somebody who's head of product, and see how they're thinking about problems, how they execute problems, and start copying that kind of approach in your role as a chief of staff. And that's the big leap between you know, a tactical EA to a strategic chief of staff. Long who are, answer. No, you did. You're doing great. Who are some of those people who, you know, were a role model or were influential in your career, how you did things? Yeah. I, um, so many, so many people that don't even know. So shout out to these people <laughs> that I don't know. Um, I think you're starting to see a trend with me is that like, I go seek information um, so if that means I have to like read countless LinkedIn articles, uh, follow a bunch of different people, watch a bunch of YouTube videos, I'll do it uh, to get to a place where I feel comfortable. So like someone like Jeff Sue stands out in my mind, uh, watched probably every single YouTube video that man has created. Um, COO of Stripe. I have watched countless interviews, read countless articles. She has a template on Coda. Uh, for offsites and how she leads executive offsites. Um, and again, I just like take a little bit of piece here, see people's different approaches and then, you know, mix it up in my bowl and then implement it. And now that I'm talking about it, I kind of think a lot of this stems from being a performer as, so I was a ballet dancer, um, as a child and I did theater and acting. So I'm kind of seeing that I take the same approach with work, which is like, Go research, learn the lines, and then forget them and then get on stage and just go for the moment. 
I love what you said about, let me go seek information. Let me go learn from others, but also maybe pull on this thread or maybe take this component of what I see over here, but make it all your own. So mix it in your own bowl. I love that phrase. Yeah, because I, like I have a particular magic that I bring to the table. Like, you know, I'm generous, I'm jovial, like I'm very curious, I'm bold, I'm not afraid uh, for somebody to give me a feedback and to fix and, you know, try again. I just keep on getting back up on the horse. I'm just not you know, worried about failure. And I would give yourself a lot of credit and acknowledgement because a lot of people can't say what you just said. So I bring a really? lot to the table, X, Y, and Z. Oh. And so I think that's I think that's important for anyone in life, but it's certainly if they're trying to move from an EA to um, you know a different type of role, they have to understand, hey, I'm on this team for a reason mm. and here's what I bring to the table. And because you're going to get different looks and different reactions from people, but knowing that and being centered in yourself. Hmm. You mentioned this, the shift from EA to chief of staff. Can you get tactical? So what are some tactical yep. things that you, I think you still had to do some of the EA pieces yes. as you were handing that off. And then you were also doing the chief of staff stuff. Yes. And I'm still doing a lot of EA uh, work to this day. So a lot of administrative things. And I think that's, um, it's, it's both a, a blessing and a curse because the blessing part of it is that that means I am involved in so many different things across the org and I interact with a lot of different people, which means I, uh, I know what's going on on the company. But, you know, it's obviously a curse in the sense that I can't go to as many meetings that I would like to. I can't be involved as in many projects because the context switching is, is challenging. And you, and in the EA role, you can't be like, sorry, can't schedule that. I'm busy in this meeting. Um, so. There, you know, I'm still doing the calendar or uh, offsite management or different administrative tasks on that front. But what I started doing is uh, helping my boss with the operating calendar and the operating cadence for the company. So we've done that for the last two years. Um, the first year, he probably did the most work in terms of uh, setting up the calendar. But this year, I, I did the majority of the work myself. And um, that helped me, again, truly understand the business. And um, so it, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is between, uh, you know, running executive meetings, templatizing agendas, uh, as bringing a format to meetings so that th things are a little bit more structured, I was able to slowly chip away at some of the EA tasks. Um, so they're not as noisy as they were before, because there's more things that I'm involved on the chief of staff side. Like, if you're running an executive level meeting and you're also taking notes in the meeting, you know, pulling up action items from previous meetings, um, helping plan the agenda for future meetings, your time is more valuable there. And then you're actually uh, providing input for the company in terms of strategy, in terms of focus. And so slowly and slowly, the EA tasks start to fall away, or like I said, they're just less noisy. Um, and those are some of the things I'm working on now on top of some other like workplace initiatives that uh, we've talked about. Um, but it's it's hard because as I've mentioned to you before, there's like three pillars of the chief of staff role. And I'm kind of straddling between the associate level and the more specialized. And I'm slowly trying to you know, like move myself over to the specialized pillar. But it's challenging when the business needs you to do something that you're really good at, which is being a strategic. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned, so I'm assuming that the people, your colleagues, the executives, the leadership team, 
who knew you as an EA. Mm -hmm. And now, okay, Sarah's in this new role, but she's kind of still doing the same things. How did you get to the point where people saw you as a chief of staff? Yeah, I know. That's a good question. I don't, I don't know if they do. I guess that would be the ultimate question. I think, I, I think they do in the sense that I, um, I put myself out there in a way that an, a strategic EA wouldn't. Um, again, like I'm leading executive level meetings. I'm putting together the agenda. I'm suggesting different things that we should touch on in the meeting. I'm calling different things out in the meeting. Like, uh, you know, we need to go down this rabbit hole instead of this one. So that's definitely different than an EA. Um, but I also think because I would seek feedback, I would, you know, after a meeting, ask one of the executives from the meeting that I was just in, like, how did that go? Is there something else we could have done better? Um, you know, seek feedback at, at the beginning of a meeting, um, suggest myself to lead different projects. And I, I got really lucky that my executive saw something in me, um, that mirrored something in him. So he would just put me on different projects and, because I took the initiative to go figure out whatever I needed to learn to run a project or to help a project, I think I then started getting more and more. Um, but again, it's a it's a fine balance when you've been a strategic EA because there are things you need to get done to keep the business running. Um, but I think you have to do it at an elevated view. So the way that you communicate with people is different. My tactic is to use the bottom line upfront tactic instead of, you know, doing this long dissertation. So there's different little things you can do along the way to help you leverage yourself further into the chief of staff role. But I do think it's hard to th make the perception change. And I can give you an example of like why I think it's hard. <laughs> but I want to stop there in case you have anything else. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we can go into an example of why. I, before I forget, though, um, you had mentioned kind of when you're speaking to an executive to get yeah. to the punchline first yeah. and then fill in the data after that. Yeah. I think a lot of people, myself included, used to give this like whole lead in story and every, and she said this said and that, that's why, and they're like, what are we talking about? And so oh, yeah. I'm just a, a pinpoint of like, here's where we're going to end up. And now let me backfill the information. Exactly. And that's where the bottom line upfront technique comes in. I mean, now I've gotten to a point where I have all these templates saved in my Gmail that I use. Like I have a budget template. I have a ask for this template, you know? Um, and I think you just have to come out the gate. Like and you, you have to mirror what executives do. Executives don't ramble on for 20 minutes about project they're working on. They're like, I'm working on X and I'm bringing, you know, Timmy and Jenny with me. Any objections? And they're done. Conversation over. Um, and so I start an email with like, if I'm asking for budget, I'm asking for budget for an offsite. And then I will break everything down further, further down the email, but I will just say, I'm asking for $6,000. Do you agree? And then there's all this information that they can dig into later, but they don't want to be bombarded with that, uh, at the top of an email. Um, and so I think that's helped me, uh, gain authority, uh, credibility, uh, because everyone knows who interacts with me that's on the executive level. Like, I've done the due diligence in this email. You don't have to dig. You can certainly dig, but you're going to find the same thing as <laughs> that I presented. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's that's the best way to describe it. It's kind of like showing your work. Like, if you want the source material, here it is. But if you want, like, the bottom line, then boom, I have it right up top for you. Um, yeah, and I think it just... Uh, for what there's a lot, I have a lot of theories. And I know this is not the podcast for it, but for whatever it is, uh, I just think EAs are nervous to be that direct. I have gotten so many times in my career, you're too direct. 
And I will leave my commentary to the side about, would you tell a man the same thing? But um, yeah, just don't be afraid just to ask, just like I asked for the, uh, the promotion. What is the worst they can do? They can be like, no, but maybe in six months. Sweet. Now I'm going to plan for the next six months to get into that. And I think something off what you just said is when people come to executives and pepper them with questions, Sometimes that's, you know, the executive like, look, I just, I'm, I, I came off like 12 other meetings today. Yeah. I got stuff flying around. Like, why are you asking these questions? And instead if it's, here's the scenario we have, here's my recommended action and here's why, you know, do you have any other input that can just, you can say the same thing and cover the yes. same topic, but it just changes the whole dynamic of that relationship. Absolutely. And then you have it as a paper trail too. If they, if that, you know, something happened where you presented that and then later they forgot or something changed, then you have that as your record, right? Um, and I think, I think if EAs can notice that, they notice people, you know, well, they're not in the office anymore for everyone, but notice people like run to an executive after a meeting. Um, you just have to kind of mirror yourself like an executive would so that you can, it's silly, but it's like, I don't know. At the end of the day, we have an amygdala and like we're, you know, we're advanced. Yeah. And we're advanced animals, but like you have to present yourself the same way. Uh, it's almost like then you're in the club. I don't know. This it's what it's what's worked for me. It may not work for everyone else, but I have a feeling that a lot of people can relate. There's a little bit of you, you gotta have to prove you talk the talk and you get, you know, what's happening at this higher level to kind of be quote unquote in the club. So I think there is, I think there is some validity to that. Um what what keeps you passionate about your work? Yeah, I think I I have I, I think it is genetically a, a part of me. I know that my my father and his father are like this. I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Um, so I think we're just curious people. And, uh, my training as an EA was actually in the venture capital, uh, world. And I think that gave me the best foundation because I truly understand what is the, the best way to operate. And I've worked very closely with some of the like smartest people in the world that I know that they're always 10 steps ahead. They're thinking long term. They're doing the second order level thinking. And so I think that's the best way to position yourself in the company for advanced opportunities and promotion and your own personal development. That's what I always go back to is that I want to have this tool set of like all these different tools, paintbrushes, like wrench, hammer, so that, you know, the next job I go to, I had all these opportunities to pull from different experiences. So for me, it's, it's more personal. It's like, I just want to learn corny, but true. <laughs> Totally, totally true. And I love, love, love you mentioned different tools in your tool belt, because if all you have is a hammer, then yeah, everything yeah. looks like a nail. So all the scenarios, right. all the problems you think you're going to start smashing things on the head. And I never heard paintbrush in yeah. that example, but a paintbrush, that's totally different. So it's a whole different uh, <laughs> different skill set. Yes. What? Um, so you mentioned kind of advancement and promotion. Mm-hmm. What do you have, you know, insights for yourself, you know, after you do the chief of staff thing as much as you want and mm-hmm. um, learn from that role. What are you What are you kind of thinking of moving to from there? Yeah, it's in line with what we're talking about. I think remaining curious throughout this role as a chief of staff, I've just been exposed to more. Um, and that would be my biggest advice to, to EAs trying to make the leap is that 
you know, try to find those stretch goal opportunities so that you can just learn more about the business. You can be more informed. And so I've just been in more situations where I've, I've gotten closer and closer to what I think is my, um, passion, which I think is people or going down a CPO track. So chief people officer track. I think that industry is rich for innovation. There's so much there. Um, because people just normally see your traditional HR, uh, department that, you know, everyone's afraid of to talk to. But I think that there is just so much opportunity for culture building, DEI. And there's just, it's so rich there that I, I, that's where I see myself going. But I only would have found that by doing what I did, which is like totally digging in, like trying to find ways to help the business. Where are the needs? Researching. Like I would have never come to this if I didn't do what I did. So I think there's a lot of overlap between chief of staff and um, chief people officer. And I think, Absolutely. You, you know, it's it's almost like, well, well, I could make the argument you could go from one to the other as well. So you can go from chief mm-hmm. of staff to oh, yeah. CEO and back. back the other yeah. way around. So they're just kind of a good, you get different perspectives and different contexts from each one, but they yes. help you get this complete picture. So that's a, that's a fantastic trajectory. And, <laughs> and the last piece here is if you were to give some advice on like a tactical uh, piece mm-hmm. of how do you stay organized and how do you manage your time? Because you're flying around every which way as an EA and as I a know. COS. So how the heck do you do that? <laughs> um, again, like be open to a new way of operating. I think I changed the way I organize things or um, how I organize myself pretty frequently. And that's because there's probably a better way. And based on, you know, if you work at a startup, things are changing every three months. Uh, so I just got into a rhythm of like being open to there's probably a better way for this particular inflection point at, for this company. Um, but I've tried numerous things. I think the biggest thing is priority inbox. If you're not already using that, but you have to set away, set aside time to actually follow the priority inbox, like follow up on things that you're waiting on or, uh, spend time executing just strictly on, um, emails that, you know, take less than five minutes and then have another bucket for the for the project. So kind of the getting things done approach. But currently what I'm doing, very basic, but after watching <laughs> numerous YouTube videos, I just have a simple um, a G sheet of just like the task, like the priority, have I started it? Like what am I, what pieces am I waiting on? And I use that in my one-on-one with my boss. So I pull up the tracker and we talk through different things. And I think that also helps you realize this is an important Sarah, or actually this is, there's a couple of steps before that. And so there's a level of transparency. So I would recommend some sort of tracker if that works for you, but you know, go, go do what's best for you. Priority inbox. And then my favorite thing, because my calendar looks like it's on fire is <laughs> chunking your calendar is like, if you can find an hour of just focus work when your brain is focused, maybe you're a night owl. So it's later. Maybe you're a morning person. Maybe it's earlier. Turn off notifications. Put your phone. I got to put my phone in another room. So I'm like, I don't need to look at that thing. And just go in. Put on a good Spotify playlist. I got plenty of them. Send me a DM (laughs) and you're off. That's amazing. (laughs) So it's kind of like block out your performance block. You're part of the day where you're at your prime performance and peak performance and make sure you are, are maximizing that. Sounds great. Yeah, and it's so funny because um, 
I have clients who use like Notion and have these like fancy dashboards and Asana and Evernote yes, really popular. I use all that. And I'm like, I use Google Sheets because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a simple person, I guess, but I'm just like, boom, boom, boom. It makes sense to me and I can control F and find everything I need. And it's just logical. Exactly. So literally whatever works for you. And even like Sarah yes. said, just, just whatever works for you to c- catch up on tasks. Yeah, don't like don't uh, don't do. I mean, I've tried Notion, I've tried all Asana. It would do, and you don't do it because you know this project or pro- productivity expert says that's what you should use. It doesn't work for you. You're, it's not going to stick, and you're not going to follow through. Yeah, brilliant, Sarah. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining <laughs> us and sharing all your experience. Oh, thank was, you. Such it a was great to, to see you again, and it was. It, I know this conversation will help people, so I appreciate I it. Thank so. you so much. Yes, thank you. <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.